0: Are you wearing headphones, Alex? Me? No. Yeah, you got to put them on, or else we're gonna get delayed.
1: Oh my gosh! I know these freaking guys, man.
2: They ask for so much; <laughs> they don't even pay me anything. I don't.
1: Even, I don't record with headphones.
2: Oh man! That might I'm... explain why your podcast isn't good. Oh, Boom. <laughs> <laughs> that's the secret.
3: Well, I'm sure. I'm. I. You know, as I remember, you came
2: to me. Yeah, right. So. <laughs> Oh, I feel that burn, that undying light yeah. burn. It's a good old Chicago burn for you. Hold on. That light's not burning. I mean, that light's not, not
0: burning. Oh, is that where you are? Chicago? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Nice.
2: All right, fellas. All right. So you've heard a couple of episodes. You know how we start the show, right? Fake news, real news? Yeah. You're going to be on the, the chopping block these guys aren't oh. gonna guess.
3: Okay. So so you're gonna so you're you're gonna try to stump me whether it's fake news or real news. Yes,
2: you have to guess. I mean, these guys you can use them as lifelines. We might be able to do that. Might be fun to <laughs> do it, like it a radio costs show. Real
0: money though. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So if you lose, you send us money, and if you win, you send us money.
3: <laughs> you're gonna get no money out of me. I'm yeah. <laughs> <bro>. <laughs>
0: it's
3: all that privilege I have.
0: Yeah. Oh. oh, 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 oh. I knew
2: I liked you, bro. All right, guys, we have a very incredible, exciting episode today. We are going through the book of Ezekiel. But if you're a regular listener, you know how we start the show.
0: Breaking
3: news on Bible Dinger's News Network.
0: He's just sitting there. always.
2: I'm Nick. I'm here with Ryan and Mark. And we have a special guest on the show. His name is Alex Zank. Why don't you say hello, Alex? Hello. Ooh. <laughs> what an incredible greeting. Yes. So Alex yes, yes. Alex and I befriended each other on Instagram. He wait, does wait. wait. Wait, what? We, we befriended each other? Is that what you said? <laughs> All right. I guess we're not friends. Uh, we're Instagram acquaintances, I guess. Uh, no, he's he's really supported us. He supported our ministry. He has us on his story. Sometimes we support him and what he's doing. He's an incredible guy. I love his ministry. He actually does his own podcast um, named Undying Light. And you can find him on UndyingLight.org. And he's also a co-host of A Matter of Truth. Uh, Most of you guys that are listening to us uh, and and found us through Instagram will know him better as Reformed underscore Lifestyle. So he has a really impressive um, profile, and I really love it. I love what he's doing. Why don't you say hello, Alex? What's up, everybody?
3: And... Thank you for having me on the show. It's uh, I love coming on and, and and just talking and being a guest on other shows. Um, and so it's an honor for me to be a part of this, and uh, hopefully I don't disappoint. So,
2: Oh, you won't. Alex, you've heard a couple of episodes. You know how we start the show. We started off with fake news or real news, where I come up with a news headline, and Mark and Ryan usually have to guess if it's real or fake news. But we're gonna put you on the chopping block, and you can use these guys as uh, what's the word like? Lifeline is yeah, whose line it is anyway? Lifelines. You could use uh,
0: <laughs> no, that's who wants to win. Who wants to be a millionaire? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, who yeah. Wants to be a
2: <laughs> <laughs> you could use these guys as lifelines, but you are on the chopping block. You're gonna be the one to choose if it's fake news or real news. Are you ready for hmm. this?
1: Oh, let's do it. Guys, are ready for news this? Breaking
3: on Bible Dinger's News
0: Network.
1: I thought we did that already. No. Yeah we, yeah,
0: we did. No, we did.
2: We definitely did. No. Either way, we hit it twice. Bruh. Alex is on the chopping block. You ready, bud? Let's do it. Russian religious leader wants men to protect themselves from homosexuality by not shaving their beard. Fake news or real news?
3: Well, it's coming from Russia, so that's got to be real news.
2: <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, well, we don't like to burn people on this show. It's a little bro. countryist.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Russia's like got the persona of like tough and rugged. I mean, that's what I'm going for, right? Mm. So yeah.
2: I, I never met it. a homosexual Russian.
1: Have you?
3: No. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't recall any.
1: I don't think I've ever met a Russian. No. A, a Russian. Yeah. I actually did. A
3: Russian. I actually know one Russian. It's it's she's a woman but I know. like Russian
0: dressing. Okay. I I met one Russian guy in, in California and he was the member of a Hare Krishna cult. What? Really? Oh. Cuz we visited a Hare Krishna temple. Well, did he have a beard? Uh he did not. Uh, no, they have to shave everything like they're bald, I'm pretty sure. So
2: that might not be a good sign, according to this uh, fake news or real news. Yeah, yeah. according to this. So, Alex, you're saying real news? Do you want to check I'm in? real news. You don't no, want to check I'm, in with your I'm, I'm, lifelines? I'm, put,
3: I'm putting the chips on the table here.
2: <laughs> I'm curious. What do you old. think, Ryan? I think it's
3: real
1: news as well, yeah. And what about you? yeah. It sounds
2: real. Guess what, Alex? I am not doing well this season so far, and uh, I did not stump you. So you are right. Yeah. (laughs) Men looking to promote a heterosexual image shouldn't consider not shaving. At least that's what a leader of Russia's old believers religious group warned recently. Um, Hold on. I don't even want to call out the church. But I'm going to. So this church (laughs) that left the Orthodox Catholic sect uh, back in 1666 linked the absence of a beard with homosexuality during an interview with Russia's National News Service. So this is very legitimate. And he goes on to say, God gave us the rules. It is written that God created everyone with a beard. A Catholic West (laughs) has completely (laughs) fallen away from this concept. But this is clear. The icons, we cannot imagine Christ or some saint without a beard. One should not oppose its creator. It's made a monstrous thing to see men's clothing and hairstyles changing. Can you
1: believe this? You You know who you never see with a beard is Adam from Adam and Eve, you know? Yeah, he's always pretty bare face.
2: Yeah, yeah
1: That's a good point, man I don't know why I didn't mention
2: that in an article
0: yeah. But apparently it's written everywhere That men should have beards Yeah, said. all over the Bible
2: All right. Thank you, Alex, for being on the show. Mm-hmm. And we are discussing, as you know, the book of Ezekiel. And I'm going to introduce this book while uh, discussing the title. And uh, you want to use this soundbite like we did before? Is this going to be the introduction? The
1: That's clearly the, the new title section soundbite, yes. This is going to be the new pretty permanent soundbite. Yet you delete
2: my bite. My soundbite, you deleted? All right, that's old news. I still can't get over it, man. Anyway, the title comes from the author and main character of the book. Who is it, you ask? Well, I'm going to answer. The prophet Ezekiel. Also, Ezekiel means strengthened by God and is similar to the name Hezekiah, which means may Yahweh strengthen.
1: Yes, so that is the title of the book. Uh, following that, we're going to get into who the author of the book is. It's generally accepted that the author of the book was Ezekiel for a couple of reasons. Um, it's because, one, Ezekiel self-proclaims Ezekielin authorship. That's the technical word. It's a cool word, bro. Ezekielin. Yeah. Have you ever heard that one in
2: seminary, Alex? No, not yet, but I'm sure I will. I'm sure you will, (laughs)
1: because this guy doesn't
2: make up any words, I don't think.
1: Um, Also, there's a continuity in the writing style from start to finish. Um, On top of that, the whole book of prophecies is written in the first person. So there's several books of the Bible that are written in both first and third person. And we'll get into that more in the book of Daniel, actually. Um, But this whole book is written in the first person. Also, um, this was the case, I believe, with Jeremiah when we went through the Jeremiah outline. But there hasn't been a lot of scrutiny of Ezekiel authorship. So there's also not a lot of supporting information available either. That's because a lot of times um, research as far as supporting who the author is or supporting traditional uh, beliefs and ideas, that usually comes when there's somebody critiquing or coming against the the beliefs. So, for instance, a lot of people had doubts that Moses wrote the Pentateuch. And so because of that, in response, a lot of people have come out with research saying, no, this, this, and this, and this is why Moses wrote it. As far as Ezekiel, there's not a lot of critiquing who wrote it. A lot of people generally accept that it is Ezekiel. So there's not a lot of supporting information available either. But those are a few of the reasons why. A few things about Ezekiel. Similar to Jeremiah and Zechariah, he was a priest. So he was born into the priestly lineage, and you can see his interest in priestly things, actually, because he's always talking about the things of the temple. He's talking about the glory of the Lord, the actions of the priests, and stuff like that. You can you can see it in his tone throughout the whole book. Um, another interesting thing about Ezekiel is that his dad's name was Buzzy. <laughs> B U Z I. Why is that under the author section? That's what I want to know. Uh, because I'm just saying things about Ezekiel. You're being a buzzy body, bro. Okay. <laughs> that makes no <laughs> sense whatsoever. But anyway, shout out to our friend Cameron Buzzy of Capturing Christianity. Buzzy. Um, Cameron, really, like, <laughs> you
2: gave him a shorter <laughs> name, bro?
1: <laughs> what? Cameron Boozy. Oh, um, man. <clears throat> also, I hope he never hears that. He won't. <laughs> trust me. Uh, Also, another thing about Ezekiel is that he was taken into captivity during the exile and he was held in the southeastern portion of the Babylonian Empire. And another fun fact, this is for free. That's where most of the Jewish exiles lived in the southeastern portion of the Babylonian Empire. Also, there is no mention of Ezekiel's life outside of the book of Ezekiel, so he's kind of obscure. We don't have a ton of information on him except for what's in the book of Ezekiel. And Got that it. is a few facts about your author. Yeah,
2: and next we have the privilege that Alex actually came on the show to be a part of our show, so he's going to do the next date of authorship on his own. So you're, you're on, Alex.
3: Oh. On my own, that's frightening. You
2: got it, bro. Come
3: (laughs) on. Create a lot of ding moments. The ding, ding. So uh, the date of authorship. So Ezekiel is very specific in the dates that he's writing. He makes uh, chronological notations of each prophecy in the book. Interestingly enough, he's so exact that we know that in the summer of the year 593 B.C., which is five years after the first group of exiles was deported, From uh, to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. So we get that. So we know exactly when this book takes place. Hmm. On top of that, the prophecies are all in chronological order except two. And that comes out of chapter 29, verse 1 and 17, verse 1. There are also two interesting notes within the introduction of the book that will tip us off to the time period of authorship, which we will see as we start unpacking this. The book tells us that he began his prophet ministry when he was 30 years old. This was the age that men would begin their priestly responsibilities, so it's a big year for him. We also see that as Christ begins his ministry at the age of 30. Hmm. The book tells us that his ministry began in the fourth month on the fifth day, the fifth year the exile of King I can't pronounce that <laughs> word
2: Jehoiachin. 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 It took Jehoiachin. me a whole year of saying that name to get it right, so you got it. Oh my
3: goodness. Jehoiachin. Jeho- Jehoiachin began his reign in the year 597 B.C. and just after three months was exiled. That would make the fifth month of the year five uh, of his exile 593 B.C. Now on the Jewish calendar, the fourth month is Tammuz, which started in July 27th in 59 BC, 593 BC. so on your birthday, bro. Right? Yeah, (laughs) I'm old as dirt. So, Uh, (laughs) you're.
2: you're, I think you're in our general age group, right? You're in your 30s, I assume.
3: Yeah, yeah, 30s. Yeah, actually, shockingly, I'll be 34 tomorrow. So, okay, I'm 30. So,
2: oh man, how do you even stand up at
3: that age, bro? I, I, I get a walker. The wife gave me a walker (laughs) with the tennis
1: balls and everything. (laughs) With the tennis balls and everything. Gotcha. (laughs)
3: Uh, and then he starts his ministry on the fifth day of Tamaz, making July 31st, 593 B.C. the beginning of his prophetic ministry and authorship of this book.
2: Nice! Let's give Alex is, a round of applause.
1: I think that is so awesome that we mentioned in Lamentations, we, we know very specific dates because we kind of have this six-month time frame, but the book of Ezekiel because he dates things exactly to the day. We know the day that Ezekiel was written, which is wild to me. That's pretty cool. It's just, I don't know. It's
0: just super cool to me. You don't find that often in uh, historical No.
1: Writings. Yeah. Um,
3: you know, I also, as a quick fact came across this when I was doing my studying that the dates don't actually align with modern calendars either. So it, if we were to try to place them on the, our calendar today, they wouldn't line up as accurate as they would on the Jewish calendar.
1: Right. Yeah. You have to use everything in context for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So that was the date of authorship. Like we said, it's it's exact. We know the days that he started. We know the days that he wrote every prophecy and when he ended. Um, next, let's get into the date of the events. So like I said, Ezekiel dates his prophecies. So we know precisely when things are happening. And like we already said, he began his prophetic ministry on July 31st, 593 B.C. The last dated prophecy in Ezekiel was in the 27th year in the first month on the first day. Now, on the Jewish calendar, that's going to be March 26th, 571 B.C. So, that's the first and the last prophecy. So, the events of this book took place between July 31st, 593 B.C., and March twenty six five seventy one B C, so it lasts about twenty two years. So Ezekiel went, and because we also know um, when he started his ministry, he went from age thirty all the way to age fifty two, within the pages of the book. So I think that's I think that's really cool too. I love. That's really awesome. I love this book so far.
2: Yeah, it is. It's it's a heavy hmm. book, but there's some really cool facts attached to it. And next up is the general purpose of the book. Uh, First, Ezekiel's original audience was the Jewish people in exile. If you don't know what the exile is, you can get a picture of Israel's Old Testament history in our historical book episodes, which is Joshua through Nehemiah. And honestly, in my opinion, Nehemiah is one of my favorite episodes that we've done. So if you haven't heard it, Get on Spotify or whatever uh, platform that you use. We're on all the major ones and get a listen to those episodes. It'll give you an idea of what the exile is. Are you dumb? And uh, I believe Ezekiel's original purpose for the book was both to remind the exiled Jewish people of their sins that got them there, as well as to encourage them in the future hope and glory that was to come. So that is a general purpose. Next up, Alex has... The honor of hearing this drum roll.
1: No, he doesn't. Well he he can't hear it. He He has the honor of not of not hearing the drum roll. Pretending, (laughs)
2: pretending. So next up is fun facts. Go ahead, Alex.
1: Oh, he's probably waiting for the drum roll to finish. Oh,
2: oh, yeah, you're good. that awkward silence.
3: Yeah, yeah. You're good, bro.
2: (laughs) I can only imagine how awkward it is to be on the other end of our sound bites and have no idea what's going on. (laughs) But you're good. You could go. The drum roll ended, and the fart nose started this.
3: So you're good. All right. So fun facts. So Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and Daniel all lived and ministered around the same time. What a time to be alive. Uh, I can only imagine the only equivalent to that would be listening to the apostles preach after Christ ascended. Life in exile in Babylon, exile wasn't exactly as terrible as you might imagine. It wasn't like the concentration camps of World War II. The Jewish exiles were actually allowed to buy houses, own businesses, and travel within the Babylonian Empire. God dumb? refers to Ezekiel as son of man when speaking to him. Presumably, the man here is Buzzy.
1: Uh, yeah, because he's the son of Buzzy. <laughs> son, son of Buzzy. Yep.
3: And, Why is it? All so right. Funny? Ezekiel oh, is man. a very dramatic can't. prophet with a kind of that is kind of odd at times. His uh, object lessons. Can't put people off sometimes.
1: Yeah, we, uh, we, we actually did an article about this. We did a Weird Verse Wednesday called Poopy Bread. Yep. And so uh, yeah. uh, if you guys want to check that out, then you can.
3: Yeah, I, we wrote I, it a I while ago. That, I saw that on your website, and then I was like, mm, I'm <laughs> going to scroll past that one. I might come back <laughs> to it later.
2: No, I think you really enjoy it. It's really short and sweet, and it, it brings con- uh, con- the, you know the context down to what was going on here.
3: Yeah. Now that I know, I will actually go back and read it. So <laughs> awesome. I, so you actually directed me because of music, so I was, that's what I was really hunting for. Um, and the last one is... What, what was that? What? I directed what? you with music? What do you mean? Yeah you, yeah, you told me to go read your music article.
2: Oh, the, um, the, the Christian hip-hop one. Yeah, yeah. Did, yeah. You agree, oh, really? did you agree with our list from last year? Um, yeah, kind of, mostly.
3: Okay. There's, there's some I wouldn't listen to, but most of them I do, so nice. I, I, it's pretty 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 much the same taste
2: so who's who's the best of all time for you or or not the best of all time, but your top favorite right now in terms of hip hop yeah, Christian hip hop
3: uh, I'd have to go with like beautiful eulogy or oh. but they're not really like hip hop, but yeah. I mean, they're kind of a blend or oh, schooled, you know yeah. yeah I mean I like Shylin, but I mean everybody likes Shylin. um Wrath and Grace is really good. Um, nice. I don't think many people know them, but I'd, I'd roll with them, too. So
2: Nice. That's cool. I knew we liked you. You fit right in yeah. here.
3: Sweet. And I'm probably the whitest guy that's going to listen to Christian hip-hop, too. I'm just going to We're pretty that out there.
2: Now, we're, we're as white <laughs> as it gets. As white as a wall.
3: So. White as a wall. And uh all right so the last fun fact <laughs> 20 minutes later Ezekiel's wife dies during his ministry
2: which
0: is a sad moment. Yeah, that's yeah, not very fun. It's <laughs> terrible. It's it <laughs> not that a that fun t- fact <laughs> at all, bro. Wasn't that part of an object lesson? It was. was his and th- yeah. on top of that, he wasn't allowed to
2: respond to it. Yeah. He's like you can't mourn, lesson. you can't cry, you can't do nothing. Mhm. Just deal yeah. with it. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah, <laughs> it is. All right, go on to the uh, everyone's oh, yeah. favorite part of this show, which is the outline. It's not
0: really everybody's yeah. favorite, but... Every section is everyone's favorite <laughs> part. Yeah, right. <laughs> the way you introduce it.
3: Right. All right, so uh, I got section one. So Ezekiel's calling and commission, which is, spans over chapters one through three. And what we get in actually the first three verses is just the setting. And, but chapter one in its entirety is the vision of God's glory. So we get the setting, as I said, verses 1 through 3, and then uh, verses uh, 4 through 28 is the vision proper, and we also see the throne of the Lord approaches in that as well. And then what we get into chapters 2 and 3 is the Lord's charge to Ezekiel, and then that's going to break down into uh, six different sections. So chapter 2 verses 1 through 5 is the recipients of Ezekiel's ministry, and then 6 and 7 are the encouragement of Ezekiel's ministry. And then chapters 2, verse 8 through three eleven is the nature of his ministry. And then we see the conclusion of that vision in the verses 12 through 15 in chapter 3. And then 16 through 21, we get Ezekiel's role in Israel. And then we wrap up chapter 3 with Ezekiel's muteness.
2: Yeah, and uh, just to clarify, this book has four overall points of it. So it's not very long, similar to Lamentations. And this that I'm going to discuss is the second point, and that is the oracles of judgment on Judah and Jerusalem for sin. We see that in chapters 4 through 25. When we open up chapter 4 through 7, we see Ezekiel's initial warnings. um, And uh, as those start to unravel, we see dramatizations of the siege of Jerusalem in chapters 4 and 5. This is where Ezekiel's sides must have definitely hurt. Um, We see a lot of dramatizations, uh, a lot of different interpretations that you can get from this. uh, A point of this episode is not to get into the interpretations of what was going on here, but just to simply give you an idea of what you're getting into. And this is also, in chapter 4 and 5, Is this is where dung was used as fuel for food, like we mentioned before. Please go on www.bibledangers.com and check out our Weird Verse Wednesday, where we clarify what's going on in this text. Um, then we see the judgment coming on Judah in chapter 6 and 7. Chapter 6 is uh, against Israel's mountains. All of the land will be destroyed. All of the pagan stuff, gone. God is bringing war upon the land and God is hurt by their unfaithfulness. We see this in the book before and the book before that one. Um, God is hurt by their unfaithful hearts and lustful eyes and because the people long for their idols. God's fury is coming down on them. He gave them a clear pathway and they're not taking it. So now God is really upset. And the vision of the departure of Yahweh's glory is uh, in chapters 8 through 11. This is a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ for me. Uh, but again, as you continue to read this on your own, I encourage you to do your research. This is a heavy, heavy book. It requires lots of research. You can't just take this episode uh, you know, for the only resource that you have. Really do some studies and read this. Um, and in chapter 8, we see the idolatry of the house of Israel. And it, that's, that's where Israel is committing vile abominations against God. And then we see the coming slaughter of the wicked. Uh, The wicked Jerusalemites in chapter 9, that's where six men slaughtering everyone with weapons. They put a mark on the foreheads for the people that groan over the abominations, being committed, and pass over them, but they kill everyone else. Then we see the departure of God's glory from the temple in chapter 10, Uh, that's obvious. Because he's responding to their unfaithfulness. And we see, we see the condemnation of Jerusalem's leaders in chapter 11. Obviously, if they're going to be leading a place that is, um, you know, disobeying God or, 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 or worshiping idols, uh, God's not going to have anything to do with those leaders either. Then we see Yahweh's reply to the invalid hopes of the Israelites in chapters 12 through 19 the dramatic tragedy of exile in chapter 12, verses 1 through 20. The inhabited cities shall be laid waste, and the land shall become a desolation, and you shall know that I am God. So God is responding to this, their disobedience and them not listening to him and um, basically destroying their cities and laying waste of them and just simply to show them that he is God. Then we see the present judgment as evidence of divine faithfulness in chapters. Chapter 12, verses 21 to 28, basically what God says goes. There's no way around it. Whatever he wants is going to happen. Is happening in this text as we read it. Then we see the condemnation of contemporary false prophets in chapter 13 and the effect of false prophets on Israel's leaders in chapter 14. It says, woe to the foolish prophets. Woe. Woe. We keep seeing this word, woe. Mm-hmm. They're like woe moments. Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. They stay lying, just like many of the false prophets that we see in modern day. No matter what God is is really clear on in His Word, they continuously rebel against it and just want to create a way for themselves. Call them out by name. Let's go. Uh, Joel <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Oh, okay. Come on. <laughs> um, and next, we see the need of personal righteousness for deliverance in chapter 14, verses 12-23. Noah, Daniel, and Job are used as examples here of people that would have been saved from the destruction. But the, verse, uh, the verses tell us that basically everybody else would have been wiped out, but they would have been the ones saved. So God was looking for personal righteousness, and those personal righteousness were not good enough to save the rest of the people. And then we see the unprofitable, the useless vine of Jerusalem in chapter 15, where uh, Jerusalem is being compared to trees, and uh, vines are pretty useless and are only good as fuel for fire. So Jerusalem is being called the useless vine growing amongst the trees. There's so many other things that we can do with trees. Yeah. In comparison to vines.
1: So, I was going to say that I used to love watching useless vines. Is that, uh, is that like the TikTok? Yeah. Yes. You remember vine? Yeah. Vine. Yeah. So useless vines? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I used to love useless vines. Yeah.
2: We're limiting the dad jokes. In this episode, I guess, because Alex is not here to see our faces. But... Oh, we are. You're telling me <laughs> after the fact. But, um, Alex, feel free to throw some dad jokes in there, you know, because that's what we're all I, about. I
3: am, you know, I am the rustiest at dad jokes there <laughs> is. Oh, I tried to tell on, my wife man. one earlier, and she just looked at me like I had three eyes. And... Oh, man. All
2: right, tell, <laughs> like, t- t- tell us it now. Let's put us in your spot. Give us a dad joke. Uh, oh, come uh, on,
1: man. You, you can't do that. <laughs> I do love rusty jokes though. Yeah. yeah so I told her. I
3: said. Uh, so this dad calls the hospital because his wife's having a baby. The nurse answers. She goes, "Hello." is This a, a da- dad says, "Yeah, my wife's having her kid." And the nurse goes, "Is this the first kid?" And the dad says, "No, this is her husband." There uh... <laughs> we and, go. And my wife's like, "My wife's like, I don't get it." <laughs> I was like, "Really? Yeah, it's oh all...
1: man." <laughs> all right, I thought that was good though. What are you doing? Yeah, that was pretty
2: good. You fit right in with that joke, man. Yes. All right, so just to continue in on the outline, we are here at chapter 16, where Jerusalem's history is being compared to a prostitute. No one cared for Jerusalem the way God did. God made a covenant with them, clothed them, and they became his. This text uses a marriage metaphor. Israel was a bride being described as beautiful, but they thought their fame and beauty— belonged to themselves and gave themselves up as a prostitute to every man who came along. So this is really deep stuff. This shows you uh, how Israel, how Jerusalem rather, responded to God's care. Um, Instead of recognizing that their beauty and fame belonged to him, they took it amongst themselves and created their own way. Then we see the riddle and parable of the two eagles, chapter 17. Basically, it just condemns the king of Israel for disobeying and swearing to obey. And then we see the importance of individual righteousness. Uh, Bringing this point up again, we saw it previously in this chapter. Well, not in this chapter, but in this book. And in chapter 18, verse 4, the person who sins is the one who will die. Anyone who is righteous will surely live. So it's just carrying up that God is looking for personal response to him. He's looking for personal obedience. He's not looking for you to save the world, but he's looking for you to have a personal relationship with him. And then we see a lament for the kings of Israel, chapter 19. The NLT calls this a funeral song. So my big question, this is a really important question. Alex, how do you think they sang the song? You want to sing it for us? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Straightforward, confident. I like do, you, that. Do, you, do you guys
3: want listeners in the future?
1: <laughs> well, I'm thinking that
3: singing. you
2: singing a funeral song will really enhance our <laughs> listeners' experience, you know? <laughs> Ron, you want to sing it?
1: No, Nick, I don't want to sing it. Come on, bro.
2: Mark? Give me your best funeral song. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, and then we got uh, Israel's effective leadership in chapters 20 through 23. The History of Israel's Rebellion and Yahweh's Grace, chapter 20, 1 through 44. Judgment on Judah's Contemporary Leaders, chapter 20 through 21 and the idolatrous rulers of Judah. Uh, It seems like everybody's idolatrous at this point. Um, I know I am. Jerusalem, the whole... Yeah, that's a good point. You want to talk about it, right? Yeah. (laughs) You
1: want to... I'm so idolatrous right now. Want to do some venting? No, I don't.
2: Uh, Then we see the parable of the two sisters in chapter 23. Ahola is Samaria, and Ahola... 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 Is Jerusalem. Did I say that right? What? I don't know. I don't know who Ahola that. and Holabaya. Ahola Alex, help me out here. Hold right? up. <laughs> uh that's where uh they're basically two corrupt whores and it ends Whoa. there. <laughs> um, <laughs> it pretty much ends there. And again, yeah. um
0: Jerusalem is 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 well it's trying to say that they're being unfaithful. It's what is uh Jerusalem and Samaria?
2: Exactly. Yeah. They're, again, being um, compared to a relationship, a marriage, being a prostitute, uh, these two unfaithful sisters, things like that. And then, um, oh, yeah, then we see the execution of Jerusalem's judgment in chapter 24, the parable of the cooking pot. And that's just basically teaching that God's fury came on Jerusalem. And then we have the signs to the exiles in chapter 24, verses 15 through 27. That's where Ezekiel's wife dies. The way Ezekiel acts is a sign to show their people who their God is. So we mentioned this before. Uh, This
0: is a a really tough thing. Yeah,
2: his wife dies and he's not allowed to respond.
0: And God intended it this way, to teach a lesson. Yeah. It's like, man.
2: Just basically to show him who he is.
0: Sucks to be me right now. What accent is oh, that? Oh yeah, Nacho sucks
1: to be me right now. <laughs> Who is that? It's Nacho. Oh, uh, I don't watch that. Or, or was it Escalato? No. Get that color out of my face! Nacho. All right, so Nick, you did a—you took out a pretty good chunk of Ezekiel there by yourself. It's very impressive.
2: Well, I, I try to um, space it out by 368 words. I told you.
1: Yeah, bruh. That's an interesting concept. I don't know how I fell upon that, but it seems to be working. Okay. All right. So the third section of Ezekiel is chapters 25 through 32. And this for the most part is oracles against foreign nations. Um, And the first chunk of oracles are against Judah's closest neighbors. And this is in chapter 25. And basically all of these neighboring nations are going to be destroyed in these oracles, 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 prophecies against uh, these words are kind of interchangeable. It's basically Ezekiel saying these things are going to happen to these places. So first there's the judgment on Ammon and then there's the judgment on Moab. Then there's the judgment on Edom. And then finally there's the judgment on Philistia or the Philistines. Um, So that's all chapter 25. Following that is the judgment on Tyre. T-Y-R-E. They weren't tired? Right. Gotcha. And that's chapters 26 through 28. And this is actually mentioned as one of the great fulfilled prophecies in our Old Testament uh, reliability of Scripture episode. Mm -hmm. It's like our second episode, I think. Um, This is a huge fulfilled prophecy in the Old Testament. It's very detailed. There's a lot of stuff going on, and it was all fulfilled in detail, too. Um, so I did want to dive into chapters 26 through 28 in a little more detail. First chapter 26 talks about the judgment by Babylon and other enemies. So basically Babylon will take part in the destruction of Tyre and it's basically finished off by Alexander the great. We, we know that now. Um, but that's basically what chapter 26 says. Chapter 27 is a funeral dirge over Tyre. And we mentioned what dirges are in the last episode of Lamentations. It's basically like a eulogy, like a, you know, something that somebody reads at a funeral, (coughs) kind of mourning over somebody. So that's what chapter 27 is. The beginning of chapter 28 is a judgment speech against the ruler of Tyre. So basically the ruler of Tyre was saying that he is a god But this judgment speech is saying that he will be shown to be a man and that foreigners are going to come and kill him. So that's beginning of chapter 28. In the middle, there's kind of another funeral dirge, and that's for the king of Tyre. And then the end of chapter 28 is judgment on Sidon. Sidon, S-I-D-O-N. And Sidon is like a sister city to to Tyre, kind of like Dallas, Fort Worth, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, there it was, Tyre and Sidon, or like even Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, so they were judged together, kind of as one thing. And I think it's really important for you to go back and listen to episode two, so you can hear all of the ways that that God said in Ezekiel how these two cities were going to be judged, and you can see all the ways that it was fulfilled. I'm not going to get into it right said now. Episode two. Yeah, episode two, The Reliability the of Scripture. The Reliability Scripture. Gotcha. Yeah, that
2: was one of the ones we recorded very, very, you know... In the, yeah, a year and early, a half ago or so. In our
1: early stages of Bible dingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, we go through in detail on this specific prophecy. So I'm not going to do it now, but I already did it a couple years ago. Um, lastly, there is Israel's restoration. And that is the end of chapter 28. So basically, after they're scattered... God is going to restore them to their land and they will live in security. Following the judgment on the surrounding nations as well as Tyre and Sidon, there's the judgment on Egypt, and that's in chapters 29 through 32. Um, So chapter 29 starts off with like an introductory prophecy of judgment on Egypt, which basically says that God's going to destroy them. But he also says he's going to restore them, but never to the great world power that they once were. So they'll be restored, but they're not going to have such a heavy influence. And you see that today. Egypt's a viable country, strong country, but they're not a world power like they were back in these days. That's more like more like the United States, China, things like that. That's how Egypt was back in that day. And God said that he is going to judge them, but he will restore them, but not fully. After that, in verses 17, 21, it talks about who is going to be doing this to them which is Babylon? It says that Babylon is going to handle them, and then in chapter thirty, it talks about how not only Egypt is going to be judged, but also Egypt's allies. And it lists off places like Cush, Libya. Um, I forget. I forget all of the exact names that they use in Ezekiel, but it's modern day actually Libya. Libya is still a country. Um, modern day Ethiopia. And most of Northeastern Africa is, uh, is covered in this section. After that, in verses 20 through 26, there's some symbolism here um, where God says that he's going to break Pharaoh's arms. And basically the symbolism is used to say that Pharaoh's going to have no power to fight back when Babylon comes for Egypt. So he's going to know it's coming. He's going to see it happening, but he's going to have no power to fight back. Um, following that is chapter 31, and this is where Egypt's fall is compared to Assyria's fall. So basically, if you don't know Assyria, they took the northern kingdom of Israel into captivity. They were a really brutal, really strong nation. Um, it's actually Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, and you know Nineveh if you know the book of Jonah. Um, but they ended up falling, and he's comparing Egypt here to Assyria, saying they will fall in the same way. Following that is a funeral dirge for Egypt, another eulogy, but this one's over Egypt. And then there's basically just a summary lament over Egypt, and that's in verses 17 through 32, which basically just says that a nation that was once great and strong will be ruined. That's mostly the third part of Ezekiel. It's mostly just um, oracles against other nations besides Israel. Um, Alex, do you want to finish out the book with chapters 33 through 48, the fourth section?
3: Well, I will certainly try. I don't know if I can be as elaborate as you guys have been, but uh, let's, uh, let's take a stab. The end of the book is Ezekiel's writing out the future blessings of Israel. So even though what we'll see in these sections is some destruction and judgment coming, God does plan uh, restoration so what we get is in chapter 33, we see that uh, the exhortation to heed the watchmen. Uh, watchmen can be kind of looked at as, um, you know, prophets or people who you know, discerned the word of God to the people, help them to understand that word. Hmm. And then what we get into is an exhortation to turn from evil. It's basically a moral responsibility that the people should heed to. And not fall away. And that wraps up the first 20 verses in chapter 33. And then we move on to the restoration of the promised land. And what we get in verses 21 through 23 actually is Jerusalem being struck down. But then what we get is actual um, the promise from God coming back from that that he will restore everything. We see in chapter 34, false prophets and true shepherds, we see a distinction. And I think that's kind of a a general theme that comes throughout Scripture is, you know, when God is bringing judgment, false teachers are sent into, uh, as wolves into the sheep herds to thin out the sheep. Hmm. And we see that very common in the New Testament. Um, And then what we get into verse, chapter 35, through 3615, it's a preparation for the promised land. We see additional prophecies being given, uh, prophecy against uh, against Mount Seir, and we see the prophecy of the mountains of Israel, and just these uh, short sections of Scripture. And then we see in verse 16, God's concern for his holy name, and we see the restoration uh, of the promised land as well there. We see unification of the promised land is 37 kicks off. Chapter 37, which is probably some of the most famous uh, verses in the whole book of Ezekiel, and that is the Valley of Dry Bones. We get um, this vision of Ezekiel placed over, obviously, the Valley of Dry Bones, and uh, this landscape is filled with bleached bones to which Ezekiel is commanded to prophesy. I mean, as he does, the bones are restored to life. This vision does receive a double interpretation. In verses 11 through 14, the primary meaning relates directly to the exile's despair and concludes the vision in verse 14. 12 and 13, though, transpose the metaphor into a graveyard and contain one of the few hints to the uh, resurrection in the Old Testament. So unfortunately, while being some, one of the most famous set of verses, it's probably one of the most twisted or manipulated. Uh, by modern false teachers today. Uh, I assume you guys would agree with me on that one. Absolutely. Yeah. So then we get into 38 and 39, and we have the future invasion of the promised land. And then we wrap out with the final eight ver- uh, chapters, Ezekiel's vision of the return of God's glory. And what we get in the first four verses of chapter 40 is the setting of the vision of the return of God's glory. And then we see, uh, God lay out his plans for the millennial temple. And we get all of the specifications in that particular text. And, and I have actually in my Bible, a nifty little drawing oh, of what the temple is supposed to look like. Nice. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty sweet looking. Uh, and then in, uh, chapter 43, we get the return of God's glory to the temple. And then we get, the ever so much loved temple ordinances from chapter 43 to 46.
1: That's my favorite part.
3: I love it. I and mean, it's almost as good as reading Leviticus. <laughs> it's up there for sure. <laughs> uh, and then we get the typographical aspects of the millennium chapters 47 through 48. And that wraps out
1: Ezekiel. Nice.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Alex, just thank you so much for being on the show and to tackle this book with us, it's really a task, because yeah. it, it's it's safe to say that there are many interpretations of of this book, along with uh, Daniel and, and other books that we're going to discuss in the next couple of weeks. So I'd say, especially
1: mm. those last eight chapters as well. That absolutely Alex read, those are th- there's a lot of debate on those last eight chapters, whether sure. it already happened or it's still gonna happen. Mm-hmm. You know, Basically, dude. if you're if you listen
2: to our dispensational episode with uh, Mark Bailey, it's coming up actually. Oh yeah. Oh, well,
1: we did, yeah, we did the we one. We had one earlier. But we got one in two episodes from now.
2: Yes. So if you haven't, if you don't know what dispensationalism is or what covenant theology is, go back and listen to two episodes. One we did with Pastor Chris Gardner, the other one with uh, uh, Dr. Mark Bailey. Um, and they really give you a good idea of what, uh, what these ideologies mean. And... Um, uh, then you can do your research on these books, uh, Daniel and Ezekiel, and pick the side that you find is close to what you want to believe. And really, mm. that, that's
1: uh. an interesting way
0: of putting
2: it. Well, <laughs>
1: you can you can you know if you go to school or uh, it's it's really tough, man. It, it's not really what you want to believe, you know. it's what you see in scripture. Yeah, obviously we don't really try and push a certain view in this show. Um, I actually am on one side of the fence. Nick is on the other side of the fence. Um, obviously that's not super important. What's important is that we're united in Christ, that we believe the gospel, but there is different ways of interpreting, especially the Old Testament, I would say. Um, There's there's different ways of interpreting a lot of portions of scripture. Um, So that's why we're trying to give you the resources of the past episodes that we've recorded. And we have a couple episodes coming up. Once again, we have Dr. Mark Bailey, And we also have Dr. Sam Storms from the Gospel Coalition coming up in a few episodes. Yeah, he'll be discussing
2: amillennialism and and premillennialism for uh,
1: Mark Bailey. Mm -hmm.
2: So those are big time. And and I just want to be clear. I'm not telling you to go home and guess, okay? I'm not telling you to go home and say, (laughs) hey, wherever your heart leads you. No, I'm not saying that. But do do in-depth research on these texts and, and really decide what you know which side you think is uh truer to the scriptures but again there are there are many uh, and Alex and I had a conversation yesterday there are many mm-hmm. topics that are really 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 important that are unchanging no matter what side you're on and that's the gospel that's what Jesus Christ has done for you that's yep. what the gospel is yep. that's there's many there are many theological thoughts and beliefs that are unchanging. There are certain beliefs about Israel and other things that um, eschatology, even that yep. can you can really fall in any of those camps, and it's not heretical. Yeah, it's it's really what how you analyze the scriptures and how you think uh, are true or what ideas you think are true to the scriptures. Perfect. But do you do your homework? really research. Again, we always say this, this episode is not to take the place of your Bible. You need to be reading these books, you need to be reading the text, and make sure that you are really um, answering the call that God has placed on your life to be in tune with His Word.
3: Yeah, so I'm actually planning on doing a whole series on eschatology starting in August on Undying Light. And through that series, I plan on looking at, again, uh, Old Testament prophecies And uh, so, I'll be looking at Daniel, Ezekiel, uh, and then I'm going to do how did Jesus view the end of time. So, I'm going to look at the scripture that Jesus said throughout the Gospels, uh, and then I'll look at all of the different modern eschatological, if I can speak English, (laughs) views. And then after that, I'm going to probably just go not through a deep dive into Revelation, but a maybe topic by topic or, you know, just a high level view of the chapters. Um, but I, I plan on taking a very long time, probably multiple months doing this because for myself, I don't really have a good solid view, like a a personal holding to it. And so this is going to help me say, you know what, this is what I view now. Um, So very light, you know, top of the level, so it's not going to be anything super academic, but I think it's going to be a great study for people if they're interested to come and listen.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. That's really tough stuff, man. I I wish you the best of luck and we'll be praying (laughs) for you for sure.
3: I I hope my brain doesn't turn to mush afterwards.
1: Yeah,
2: right. That's awesome. So definitely check them out. And what's your website again?
3: Uh, Undyinglight.org.
2: Cool. Cool. Nice. Nice. So that was our episode on the book of Ezekiel. We hope you really enjoyed it. We hope you learned something. Thank you, Alex, for being on the show. Make sure you go yeah, and check him out. Me. Of course. Make sure you go and check him out at reformed underscore lifestyle. I was really impressed with his work, and he does some really good stuff on there. His ministry is powerful. And uh, make sure you go on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check us out at BibleDingers across the board. And while you're there... Just give me the likes, don't pass and scroll. Don't pass and scroll. Make sure you hit subscribe, yeah. hit follow, hit like, and most importantly, My quiet
0: place. ding on. My quiet place. Bible Dinger.
2: Uh. Sometimes it ain't so quiet at all. I And I went,
0: God said, I would.